On Wednesday, the Jets almost made a trade for star receiver Tyreek Hill, but instead he chose to go to the division rival Miami Dolphins. What happened? Where do we go from here? All of this and more on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, March 24th, 2022, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, thanking you for making this show your first listen or your first watch every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you like what you see or hear, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a thumbs up. It helps the channel out. And it helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Well, it's really funny because this week we've been doing reviews of where positions stand for the Jets after free agency. And it just so happened that today we were going to do the show on the skill positions, including wide receiver. And there was some pretty big news, or I guess non-news, depending on how you view it yesterday. And it came out of absolutely nowhere, and it only lasted like two hours. We went from like not having any idea that this was happening to it being done in like a two-hour span yesterday. News broke that the Jets were interested in adding star receiver Tyreek Hill, that contract negotiations between Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs had broken down, and the Jets were right in the mix. And it came down to the Jets and the Miami Dolphins, and the Chiefs ultimately gave Tyreek Hill a choice, and he chose to go to the Miami Dolphins. And my views on this may surprise you. Because all offseason, I've been preaching that the Jets need to add a star receiver. Jets need to add a big-time receiver, somebody with experience. So you may think, like, I'm really, really upset that the Jets did not add Tyreek Hill. But I got to say, like, of the top receivers in the NFL, this would probably be the one where I would have questioned it a little bit. Because to me, this kind of seems like the type of move that always backfires on the Jets. You're talking about a guy who's game is so based on speed and I did not do like a formal study yesterday but I started looking up receivers and there aren't a lot of them but receivers who are guys who are you know had been top end receivers at some point in their career and what made them special was really their speed and again this was not a comprehensive study but I kept finding that guys like that tend to start declining around 28 which is about the age Hill is right now so I look at this, I wonder whether Hill's going to be as good outside of that Kansas City infrastructure. You know, I'm not sure about that. He's not going to be with Mahomes anymore. He's not going to be with Reed. I, I, you know, you look at what Miami is giving him a $30 million contract. Every receiver you make a move for has some degree of risk, but... You're going to have questions about anybody like Devontae Adams. Is he going to be as good outside of Aaron Rodgers? But there are more questions with Tyreek Hill than I think any other big-time receiver who could be available out there. So am I devastated the Jets did not get Tyreek Hill? No, I am not. And there are all all sorts of issues there. Uh, But I think that there there are a couple different ways you look at this. You know, one is, am I devastated the Jets failed to get Tyreek Hill? And to that, the answer is no. But... You also have to look at this in terms of the plan. And I've criticized Joe Douglas quite a bit this offseason because I think 
his approach to the wide receiver position has been far too lackadaisical, where he's not really been aggressive on the market. And listen, I'm all for building through the draft. I'm all for a patient approach. I'm all for not overspending on the market for veteran players. These are things that, if you look through the NFL, the, the way the league functions, these are things that can destroy your team. But this is a situation where you have a second-year quarterback who needs help. And the Jets' receiving core right now, this is worse than the group that ended the season because you have added nobody. And you've lost Jamison Crowder. And I don't want to make Jamison Crowder out to be that great, but the fact that you've lost him and your receiving core's talent level has gone down, that's a negative sign. And I was looking through yesterday, and you know, there are the people who cover the team on a day-to-day basis, the beat writers, you know, people who are very attuned with what's going on in the organization. And there was one theme that kept coming up yesterday when it talked about the Jets' approach to receiver that we were look they were looking for the opportunity. They were kind of just waiting for the opportunity to present itself, and then they were going to pounce. Okay. So we didn't do anything up until this point. We waited We waited while all of the top names went off the board. We were not active in the trade market. Even if you're not going to add, even if you're not going to follow my preference and add like a top-end receiver, and you're going to go with somebody who's more of a complimentary part, not active in the free agent market, and now most of the big names are gone. So I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about this, and we're saying that the plan was to wait for the opportunity to present itself like this. And... You know, as much as people have, and, uh, you know, I said this yesterday, so I guess if there's like one silver lining to this whole situation, it's that yesterday I said on our mailbag show that I did not think Joe Douglas was focused on the wide receiver position. If the, the silver lining is that he clearly is because he did try to make this, this big deal. But, okay, so we've been told that the plan is that the Jets are just going to sit around and they're going to wait for the right opportunity to pounce. Which, by the way, they had no idea that this was going to happen. Okay, but that's your plan. Your plan your plan is we're just going to wait for the right opportunity. And this was the right opportunity. Well, if your plan was to let all of those receivers go off the board, if your plan was to wait for this opportunity and you don't get the guy you're targeting, your plan stinks. Your plan was bad. And now where do we go from here? What's the option? What's the alternative? See, I... I had reservations about Tyreek Hill. I had a, a number of reservations about Tyreek Hill. And I'm not sure he's going to be as good for Miami as they're expecting him to be. That's one thing. I also believe that you can always recover from the player you miss out on. I, I think that you there's always a chance to bounce back. There's always another player who comes along. That's fine. What I judge you on as a GM is whether your plan is good. Whether you've maximized your chances for success. Because you could, anybody can miss on a player. You can always miss on a player you're going for. But what's the plan here? And, you know, I saw people yesterday saying, well, the Jets' plan is to build... The Jets' plan is not to add flashy players. The Jets' plan is to build... Stead- no, it's not. They tried to... They gave a huge package to try and get Tyreek Hill. How can you say that? They struck out. They tried to get him. This wasn't like the Jets sitting around saying, you know what, we're not... This is not our approach. They're a, they made an offer as big as Miami to get him. You can't say that the, the, the approach is just to build slow and steady when they try... This was, they didn't pass on him. He passed on the Jets. The Jets wanted him. The Jets made a huge offer to get him. So you can't say that. And what's the plan B? Because obviously you could not get this guy that you you were targeting. 
And I mean, the excuses that came out after this from, you know, some people close to the team and, you know, there, there are certain media members who are very close to the front office. So you can kind of see like what the official party line is from, from the front office. I mean, I saw one argument that it's based on location that the Jets can't get players because of New York. And I, you know, I saw nightlife. I saw, which, you know, New York. Uh, the Jets are based in New Jersey, suburban New Jersey. So I guess, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not that far away. It's like a 45-minute drive to the team facility, and you can live in New York. But, you know, climate. Miami has nicer weather. You know, uh, local taxes. And you know what? It's amazing how these only became issues when the Jets became a bad team. When they were, became a team that couldn't win. They were a team with a losing record at the bottom of the league every year. Because last I checked, these issues all existed 12 years ago when Rex Ryan was the coach and the Jets were coming off an AFC championship game berth. And they didn't really have any issues getting free agents then. So it's amazing how these became these insurmountable obstacles once the Jets started losing. You know, these, these just sound like excuses. And the, the other thing is, like, that I saw was, and this is, you know, you, there's certain guys you follow who, like, are kind of giving you what the front office wants out there. The other thing that I, I hear, which just like boggles my mind, is well, the Jets were Jets really tried to go after guys hard. You know, they really tried to go after Amari Cooper. A week ago, weren't the Jets telling us that Amari Cooper would destroy the salary cap situation? I'm pretty sure I remember. Like, you can't tell me a week ago that Amari Cooper just wasn't a good fit because he destroyed the salary cap situation, and then say the Jets really went hard after him and they. But by the way, like. You don't get prizes in the... This is the National Football League. This is not, you know, youth football. Like, you don't get a trophy for trying. You have to... Your job as GM is to add talents. And I know it's difficult, but that's why you have the job. That's why you are one of 32 people in this job, in this, in this league. So... I don't really understand the argument that, well, they tried to add guys, but they couldn't because of location. What? What are we talking about here? Now, did the Jets make their best? And again, like, I don't, I have reservations, I have big reservations about Tyreek Hill, but did the Jets make their best offer? Were the Jets aggressive enough? And then this is more if, if you don't really have the same viewpoint as me. That's one you could argue either way because on the one hand they did make an offer Kansas City accepted on the other hand this clear they clearly could have offered a better package in which you know was Kansas City dedicated to giving Hill a choice of where he wanted to go I guess that's the question and the Jets gave a, a it was an aggressive package they offered both of their second round picks and their third in a, a swap of third round picks Kansas City has a late third round pick Jets have an early third round pick so they would have swapped those picks it was roughly equal to the package Miami gave them if you're looking at the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart. But it wasn't the best offer the Jets could have made. The Jets could have made an offer that was better because either package, either the Jets package or the Miami package, that's less in points than either of the first round picks alone. So the Jets could have made a better offer. And ultimately, you know, you could... You, you know, I, we don't know what went on in there, but once I saw that Tyreek Hill had the choice between Miami and the Jets, I said the Jets are not getting him. 
And again, like that's one where I'm not that upset about because of the questions I have, but you you knew it wasn't going to happen. And I go back to this. We're three years into this general manager's tenure, and his plan was to sit around and wait for this opportunity to present itself. Again, this is this is independent of the plan. We're talking the plan right now. His plan was to sit around and wait for this opportunity to present himself itself, and he couldn't get it done. And you know, we sort of, we went through the excuses, the climate, the local taxes, the you know, night, whatever, the you you name it. New York is apparently not a desirable place anymore. Or, you know, New Jersey's not a, whatever. It didn't really come, it came down to just the Jets are, lo- are not a winning team. That's what I think. And why are we excusing the general manager? You know, and this was this was an excuse that came up when Marcus Williams didn't sign. That You know, well, we Jets, Jets aren't a winning team. You can't compete with the Ravens. Well, whose fault is that? Why are we accepting this? And what's the plan going forward? Well, you know what? We have to move on here. We're not going to fold up the franchise. So Jets need to figure out what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. So let's talk about some of the ideas ahead here on this Thursday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast as we continue. Fortunately, there is still some time in the NFL offseason for the Jets to upgrade this offense. Games have not yet begun. There's nothing to bet on. But college basketball's NCAA tournament Hits the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 this weekend. And if you're a local fan, you know the St. Peter's Peacocks, the 15 seed, will be playing Purdue tomorrow night in an attempt to become the first 15 seed ever to go to the Elite 8. And you should know that from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day, and make sure you're following Locked On NFL. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like Locked On Jets. And on today's episode, we're talking about the skill positions. It was a very timely episode theme. All week we've been going position by position through the Jets, and yesterday the Jets Almost made a trade for a guy who's been an all-pro receiver a couple of times, and it fell through. And you look at where things stand right now. This is a bad look. This is a bad receiver group. There's no question that this is a bad receiver group right now. You have literally one player on this roster who has a 600-yard season in the NFL. That's not to say there's no promise here. You have you do have a promising young receiver in Elijah Moore, but. This is essentially this group is essentially what I would call priced to perfection because the Jets really can't afford anything to go wrong with the receiver group as currently constituted. Because right now you've got Corey Davis and you have more on the outside. You have Braxton Berrios in the slot who had a good season last year, but has never had a 500 yard receiving season in the NFL. And you're kind of banking not only on these guys producing, but you're also banking on these guys staying healthy because. You're essentially one injury away from Jeff Smith stepping into the starting lineup right now. So clearly something has to be done for the Jets at the receiver position. And 
I think at this point it's going to have to be the draft. And, you know, I go back to what the way the Jets have handled this offseason. It seems like plan A was kind of just wait for a receiver they like to hit the trade market. And that's what, you know, Joe Douglas mentioned that at his postseason press conference. He's the guy that said, you know, we'll be active in any trade discussion because of all of our draft capital. Well, I guess he was honest. I mean, they were active in trade discussions, but they brought nobody in. And most of the big names you'd have to think are off the board right now. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I go back to this. I do not like the approach that we're just going to sit back and wait for a trade to develop. I think that that was a very needlessly risky approach. You got to roll the dice sometimes on building your team. When we're talking about our second year quarterbacks development here, that's not a spot where I like rolling the dice. So, you know, could a trade, could another trade develop? Well, maybe, I mean, you know, there's always these rumors about the Seattle receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Will Seattle trade them though? We don't really know. And outside of that, I mean, I think you got to look to the draft and this is one of the reasons I don't like the approach the Jets have taken is that, Especially when you're talking about something really important. You can't do this across the roster, but when you're talking something really important, I like to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And when you wait for all of the good receivers to go off the board in the offseason, all of the good veteran receivers, you kind of paint yourself into a corner. And this is, you know, one of the things I hated about the old GM, Mike McCagnan, was that he was constantly painting himself into a corner. He constantly forced himself to make risky moves. And, you know, like the Le'Veon Bell signing is a great example of that. This is nothing I didn't say at the time. You know, people look back on it now and say, well, how could the Jets have signed a running back to that contract, especially after he missed a full season? Well, it didn't just, like, happen out of nowhere. It happened because Mike McCagden mismanaged the roster. He couldn't find premium offensive players. And all he had would he traded away all of his draft picks. And he, all he had was cap space. And the only guy who could even conceivably be a premium offensive player was Le'Veon Bell. So they, it was kind of like a risk they had to take. And right now, if you're the Jets, you kind of have to take a wide receiver in the first round. And I hate saying that because I hate going into the draft thinking I need to draft a player at this position early. But I don't even see how you avoid it at this point. I really don't. So, you know, will it be Garrett Wilson? Will it be Drake London? Those are the guys, those are the two big names at the moment. I feel like you don't really have a unless like something else unexpected happened. And this was another part of the approach I hated was the Jets had no idea that Hill was going to hit the market. So, like the whole premise of their offseason was that they were going to. And listen, it's not a defense even if they even if like this was they were back channeling this for weeks. You know, at some point you have to say, you know, we can't risk not getting this guy. So. Even if that was their plan, I don't think it's a very good plan. But we're to the point where now it's almost like you have to hope another trade falls out of the sky. Like maybe somebody else gets frustrated, somebody demands a trade. And that's just, it's its a very risky strategy. So at this point, I mean, I think the Jets have put themselves in a position where they almost have to draft a receiver with one of these two first-round picks. And I don't know that, that either of these picks is going to be a great value here. And in, in an ideal world, like, I'd rather trade down from 10 and get one of these guys. But the thing is, like, you can't really afford to not get one of them. So I don't know if you can even risk a trade down. I mean, this is – Joe Douglas says, I'm sorry. You know something? People may not like to hear this. Joe Douglas has completely botched the wide receiver position this offseason. He has completely misread the market. He's misread his own ability to land players. And I know people are going to be upset to hear this. 
and you know I could live with not addressing a position for you can't address everything this offseason but again I go back to this second year not just second year quarterback second year quarterback who really had problems last year who really needs all the help he can get and the Jets have done nothing this offseason to help zero just have done zero to help him this offseason so now we head to the draft and you have to get one of the top prospects you just you have to I mean you're hanging Zach Wilson out to dry if you don't do that you're you're He's got you're giving him no shot unless you add a add a guy. And you're gonna have to ask the rookie to contribute on day one. So, I mean, that's all there is to it. And I'm sorry to be critical, but I've been sitting here waiting for the move. And the move's not you know, the move hasn't happened. And it's it doesn't it just seems like the Jets it seems like the Jets felt like things were going to work out for them. It just, just like they felt like things were just organically going to work out for them. They were not aggressive. I get you can't be aggressive on everything, but there are certain things that you just cannot leave to chance. And the Jets have left wide receiver to chance this offseason. So we'll have to see what happens. But I think the Jets have the Jets have put themselves in a position and they've done it themselves. They've done it to themselves because there were guys out there. You know something? My preference was for a proven receiver. My, pre- my preference was for a big time guy. If you told me, OK, we're going to get a mid tier option and we're going to draft somebody. I don't love that, but I can understand why you do it. The Jets have done nothing. So the Jets have left themselves in a position. And by the way, you can't always count on a rookie to produce. So uh, it's just it's just not a good situation right now at the wide receiver position for the New York Jets. And I think the general manager has done a horrible job addressing it this offseason and not addressing it this offseason. I think he completely missed He played his cards all wrong. And here we are. There is another path forward for the Jets, though. And I, I think increasingly it looks like it's not going to be at the receiver position. If the Jets want to help out Zach Wilson, there is another way to do it. And I'll explain to you what that is as we move forward here on this Thursday episode of Locked On Jets. Our episode today is brought to you by Rock Auto. Jets still have a lot of work to do to fix this roster, especially the wide receiver core. And if you want to fix your car or truck, you should go to rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. You should know that Rock Auto is a family business. It's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And their prices are reliably low for every customer. So you go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Thursday. We're talking about the skill positions. Very timely show because the Jets tried to trade for a skill player yesterday and it did not work out very well. And now you don't really know where they go from here. So I'm trying to provide some guidance here as we move towards the end of this episode. We've talked about the wide receiver position and there's no really no way around it. I mean, things are very bleak right now. I mean, essentially, you, you've put all of your eggs, if you're the Jets, you've put all of your eggs in the basket that Elijah Moore's going to break out. And listen, if he breaks out, that's a brilliant plan. And it can work out. Or you've put your eggs in the basket that you're going to draft a receiver who's going to be you know, one of the top 10 rookie receivers of the past decade. 
because rookie receivers don't go for a thousand yards. It's very rare. We see Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is an extreme outlier. Even good rookie receivers don't go for a thousand yards. So what else can the Jets do? I mean, the only other way I can see supporting Zach Wilson is just building this run game. And we know Mike LaFleur comes from the quote unquote Shanahan school where they try and establish the run. And the Jets have focused on that this offseason. They've obviously added Lakin Tomlinson. They've added a couple tight ends. So maybe the focus is just on adding and, and helping Zach Wilson by giving him a good run game and keeping him in good downs and distances. I mean, that's that's another way to do it, I guess. And you could do that through the draft. I mean, I know the tackle position is not weak for the Jets on paper, but obviously there are tackles available in the early parts of this draft. But beyond that, I think, you know, getting a good back to pair with Michael Carter. Usually I'm against drafting backs early, but I feel like the Jets, they have some extra picks here. So I feel like the Jets are less folk. I feel like the Jets are, are less, there's less pressure on them to focus on positional value because with an extra pick or two, you can try and get a great, you can swing for the fences at a non-premium position. And maybe that position is running back. Maybe you find a guy who's a big play back, a Brees Hall or a Kenneth Walker, and you try and replace the 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 big playability you're not getting at the receiver position by a back who's a home run threat, a guy with a lot of speed there. And I think you could also look at the tight end position. You know, the Jets are not Jets are not in a position where they have to draft a tight end because they signed CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin, but they could draft a tight end. Maybe it's a Trey McBride. And they could kind of use this year to develop him a bit. And if he's good enough to step into the lineup, he can. And you, you focus on, you know, you, the focus would be more on future seasons. But maybe then you use 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends uh, personnel more frequently. And you try and establish the run game and you just become a physical power football team. That could be another option. I mean, you, know, you don't always have to do things the way the rest of the league does. This, the league is clearly moving in the direction where the receiver position is more prominent and it's more valued. And that's part of the reason I wanted the Jets to address it this offseason. But another way of building your team, another viable way of building your team is to go in the other direction. When the when the rest of the league zigs, you zag. And maybe you focus more on the run game and you, you, you put Zach Wilson in good downs and distances. You set up play action. Maybe that's the method. Maybe, maybe that's what it is because... I don't really know where else you can go from the Jets. I think the Jets are in a tough spot on this off, on the offensive side of the ball. I think they put themselves in a very and it's it's self-inflicted. I think they put themselves in a very difficult position at wide receiver, and they're going to have to figure out a way to work their way around it. Because look, we got to play games this this fall. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to keep having podcasts, so we're going to keep trying to figure out ways to fix the Jets, and we'll continue that venture tomorrow. But that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. If you're listening on a podcast source, please leave it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a thumbs up. It helps the channel out, and it helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. I hope you have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.